Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Right Club podcast. I'm Laurel Simmons, and I'm joined today by Catherine Nelson Riley, our fabulous operations manager. Catherine and I had the pleasure of interviewing Jordan Sylvester over the course of about an hour. So we broke the interview into two parts. This is part two, and Jordan gets into more personal side of what's going on in his life. He talks about the successes he's had and, and some of the uh, not so successful real estate investing uh, episodes. And it's, you know what, as he said, it's not just about winning all the time. It's what you get out of your, what he called your failures. But again, they weren't really failures because he learned something and he's not going to do it again. So Catherine, how can people reach Jordan? Through any of the social media channels for Jordan Sylvester's, but also his email address is jordan at sylvesters.ca. So Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N at sylvesters, S-I-L-V-E-S-T-E-R-S dot C-A. All right, let's go to the interview. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. People are going to choose a 10-minute drive over a 30-minute drive every time. Now, if there's nothing in 10 minutes, then they'll go 30 minutes because they still need it. But again, same concept. And so I would say right now, if you're looking at university, it's still a great opportunity because there is definitely opportunity. It's just where that is. And again, being an expert in the area will give you some advice around, hey, don't get too far away these days. Whereas before it was like, yeah, no, you can be in this location. But just so you know, I would always advise this is outside what I would have personally defined as that area, right? And so with that, just understand you can get the bonus now, but if things change, which of course did, you, those people at least weren't, you know, I'd say this, I don't want to lie to people or give people false, false hope, but it doesn't like right now is a great time to be in the city on the short term, because we have all these short-term workers now in five years, if we don't have any new industries being built, we might not have a bunch of short-term, but it might be long-term people all of a sudden, because now the people are working in those locations. So you just have to be able to understand what's going on, adapt to the market in front of you, get in touch with a local realtor or local, at least somebody local who knows exactly what's going on. It could be a local investor. You're, you know, you can buy private, it's fine, but make sure you know where you're buying, what you're buying, because there's a lot of people who have a lot of opinions and the difference between a random person and me is I have an obligation with my license to be honest and truthful and not that I wouldn't necessarily be anyway, but I also know what's going on because I'm actively involved in the real estate market as well as actively involved as an investor. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And I know we touched a little bit on den density, but is the city allowing like higher density other than fourplexes? Because I mean, the province is really encouraging when we say multifamily, like, I mean, 10, 20 floors and they really, they need to provide housing, right? It's, it's a critical issue right now. So what's happening in Windsor regarding that kind of development? So that is something I, I haven't dove into in a major way. I do have a friend at the office. So his name is Matt and he's really involved in building multi-unit stuff. And so he's dealing in that with his big development company, as well as being a realtor. I should go pick his brain a little bit. I don't usually deal in massive infrastructure builds like that. So you're talking 20, 30, 40 units, like that stuff goes up. It's just, you have to pick up all the right land 
And it's more of a land, like a, a sort of what I was saying, if you're a land developer where you want to buy up those properties where the bridge is going, I think there's a great opportunity. And I understand it enough to be able to speak to it, but I don't understand it enough to be able to say, this is the route. Now I know the right person, his name's Matt, and he would be a great guy to speak to what the city's requirements are right now, what they're allowing, where they're pushing back, what, you know, what the opportunities would be around those things. So if somebody was interested, more than happy to connect you with him, I'm more than, you know, happy to learn myself. So sitting in and having a cool conversation around ideas and what is and isn't possible and, you know, learning from those who are smarter than me in certain specific areas. That's a great answer. Thank you. Can you share with us? And maybe an investment that you've made and was it a good one, a bad one? What happened? So I'll go with the, I'll go with a good one and then I'll tell you about a bit of a disaster. But the first one was a property. I bought a duplex, picked it up about three years ago, was able to renovate it. It took a year and a half to renovate about $150,000, but the market helped. So I was able to actually repurchase it with my business partners from one corp to the other. So as a flip, made about $150,000 on the flip, reinvested 60 of it to maintain ownership with a partner who holds the mortgage and another cash partner who was able to buy in as well. So we three hold it under joint venture. So that project is currently actually for sale, but um, it is a project that cash flows $1,750 a month because we got a 2.05% interest rate on uh, 385,000 at the time. And then we invested money into an additional dwelling unit, which allowed us, and we did that at 8%. So we're paying 516 for that, but that allowed us 1350 in cash flow. So with the 1350 minus the 516, we were able to, like mentioned, bump it up about $800 a month um, on that in the basement unit. Then again, we're rewinding about a year and a half. So that basement unit cost me, I think, $67,000. And today that same exact unit's almost a hundred grand. And it's just due to the change in the market. So that one really worked out well. Great cash flow. It's a great asset. I still own 45% of that asset, which is a cool thing to be able to do because I still manage and, and built it on the other side. So fast forward after that project was finished, I partnered up with one of my good friends. He was doing some, he had his crew work and I had my crews working. We were doing some stuff. And so I'd bought two. And we partnered up and then bought seven. And we did that between February 27th of 2022 and April 15th. And so if you can imagine how things changed pretty drastically. And so in that moment, we were in a situation where the decision we should have made was wholesale and, and liquidate in the moment. We just didn't know how far things were going to fall. We couldn't have predicted what we saw. All I can tell you is we made decisions once everything shook out to the benefit of our future. And we're back into investing again now. It's just, we had to, it was more of like a, an active reason. I will say this, it, it taught me that I don't know what I think I know. My hubris got me into a lot of trouble because after, you know, hey, this project, like I'd done, I think that the one I talked about was like my third or fourth. And then between that year and a half, I still did, I think four or five other ones and then jumped into 2022. So that's from 2019, uh, 2022 there. And then everything kind of shifted. And so my advice is understand the risk. And this is what I didn't, because when I looked at everything, I built in a 23% fallout rate. I thought that was like almost impossible in a three and a half percent interest rate. So if I had to get stuff at three and a half, four percent rate in there, everything should still cash flow. And then by the time I could blink, the market had dropped almost 30%, 37%, and interest rates were at six, six and a half. So everything changed. So from the perspective of somebody who will humble himself or was humbled, I will say that it wasn't that I necessarily wanted to be humble, but it's, I was humbled by that experience and realized that if I would have listened more clearly to 
people who aren't saying, Hey, what you're doing is wrong. Just be cautious. Are you sure you understand the risks you're taking? Are you sure you really get it? And I was like, yeah, no, I'm fine. Because in my head with this will sound crazy as the realtor and investor, you can do this, that I separated the value of my home and my other uh, real estate assets at the time, their value from the market transition. So in my head, I always was able to lean on the backs of my current wealth to offset any losses that would show up in any project. I didn't consider the fact they would all lose their value simultaneously. So all of the equity I'd built over here, when these lose equity, they would all lose equity together. And I know that sounds interesting, but when you look at one puzzle piece and you don't have the same, it's it's more solidified. It's just something you think you own or have. And then I look at the other, I'm like, okay, so I bought these seven. I know how much I'm leveraging, but I have this to kind of back that. And then this all fell out the floor as well as all of that falling out the floor. All of a sudden you're standing there looking at yourself going, well, maybe I really should have listened and talked to somebody who was smarter than me in this moment. And it's not because I did it with any malice intent. It was because I just didn't ask the right questions and I didn't ask the right people. And I didn't lean on the experts I know in my world, because if I had, I would have saved myself a fairly hefty hit on the pocketbook. So that is the moment of really good to like getting to hold on to the investment. I still want it to a fairly substantial adjustment uh, between me and one of my business partners. And both of us, I just say, I got my PhD in investing from that. It taught me so much. I'm so grateful in some respects for it. Like, again, everyone's like, no, if I could go back and rewind, it's like, yeah, but then I would, I asked my, my, my buddy who was, who went through that with me. And I said, what do you think would have happened if it waited just one more year? Do you think we would have been less dumb or do you think we would have been more dumb? Like, do you think we would have slowed down or do you think we would have amplified again? We both know each other. We're both a little bit crazy in a good way. Most of the time we probably would have amplified and who knows how much money we would have had leveraged. And maybe we wouldn't be able to survive per se, like where our families are still okay. Like we're still able to, you know, live through it. And I, by the grace of God, you know, there are times where you get, it's, you know, you can get through some things you didn't think you could. And I'm grateful for the opportunity. That's, uh, that's a really great example of risk tolerance. Cause that's one of the things, cause you don't know what you don't know until you know, and you can think that you're doing all your due diligence. And then all of a sudden, exactly as you're sharing that, uh, oops, you know, that there oops. was a difference <laughs> that was in there. Like, now, one of the things that we'll be were chatting prior to coming live is you were talking about authentic authenticity in business and breaking traditional norms. Could you expand and tell us what you mean by that? Yeah, so so that comes down to again, you I am who I am. So if you meet me, you'll meet me at a business dealing, you meet me at the bar, you meet me at church on Sunday, you meet me at the arena. I'm the same guy everywhere. I don't change for anyone. And it's not because I don't respect people. I am respectful, meaning that I wear a hat a lot of the time. If I, if you were to say, Jordan, I find it disrespectful to wear a hat in my home, I'm going to take my hat off. It's not, a, it's not a, a thing. It's just called being comfortable in your own skin. The more I can just be me, the better I can be for you. When I have to try to pretend to be something I'm really not, and, and no different than when the question was asked of me, I go, I don't know that answer, but I have a buddy who knows that answer. It allows me to allow myself the opportunity to not always have to be the smartest person, to not always have to have all the answers. And so in, in breaking down some of those barriers, because as a realtor, we're, you know, we're trained to be the smartest person in the room. We want to make sure we have, a, like our clients have a lot of confidence in us. But what I've learned is, hey guys, 
these are some, like I walk into something I don't know. I've said, Hey, let me reach out to the people I do know and trust. who've probably had these experiences. Cause I know realtors that have been this 30 and 40 years that have more experience than I do. I have 16. So I've got quite a bit now, but again, leaning on the education of others, leaning on that. And so for me, authenticity is be yourself. If you're not comfortable in a suit and tie, don't wear it. If you are, go ahead. There's nothing wrong with the suit and tie. There's nothing wrong. And I come from a, we, we're a blue collar city. You know, we're a city of workers. We're people who prefer to jump on the weekend and go hang out voting like my buddies do, or go golfing and do all those things. That's just what the city is. We're relaxed. And so again, I find that I get the best response by just being me. And any, and, and most people, if you see, you know, me online, you see who I am, you see any of that, you're going to find the same guy. When you see me at an event, you're going to find the same guy at home. And to me, that's, I want to be the same man in front of my family as I can be in front of the church as I can be and things. And that doesn't mean I'm perfect by any means. It just means I'm real. And again, I'd rather tell you the truth of my failures so we can learn from them together because then they're successes. See, failure is only failure when you don't learn from it. When you learn from failure, it's a success. And that's like I said earlier in my head. Yeah. It'd be nice to rewind and unlearn some of the lessons I learned but where would I be if I didn't learn them? What kind of man would I be? What father would I be? What kind of friend and business partner would I be if I didn't know what I know now? And so again, I'm not saying to anybody, just learn to be comfortable in your own skin. It'll, it, you know, the people who love you, the people who like you, those are the people you want to work with. If you have to be something for somebody else so that they'll like you, spend time with you, why? It doesn't mean you don't need to change and grow. I have to change and grow. There are some people who don't like certain aspects about me. I'm married. I, you know, there's somebody in my life who is constantly trying to make me be a different version of myself. And that's normal. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, because I do the same thing. We're, we're all wanting what's best for ourselves. But at the same time, knowing where we can change and grow, knowing who we are, being authentic, being willing to apologize for when we aren't at our best, because not we're not going to be at our best all the time. And when you make a mistake, own it. And then and move on from it. And so for me, that's what authenticity, that's what you get. If you work with me, you'll find, I, you know, I've made some mistakes. I'll talk about them. I've also had some great successes. I'll talk about them. If you talk to the people in my world, or if you hear one of the awards I won with the team I'm on, it's really funny. They had, I have two volumes, stadium and outdoor. And so that's pretty true. Cause when I walk into a room, I'm just loud. I don't even realize that I don't mean to be, I try to be respectful, but I tend to be a very loud and boisterous human being. Cause I just love people. And then, you know, that's just who I am and that's okay. And some people find me probably a little bit much and I get it because I sometimes find other people like me a little bit much. So I understand that. I love it about myself. I hate it also about myself. That's just part of being human. There's aspects you'd love to change, but they're also part of what make you and, and you should learn to love them in moderation, I guess, is probably the way I look at it. You know, you can learn when it's appropriate, maybe when it's better to calm down a little. I'm going to bring it back to something you said about in your not so great uh, real estate experience, recent one, where you were talking about the the difference between what you expected uh, the market to be and what it actually was. There's a huge spread there, right? And you were saying that you didn't actually understand how big the risk was. So given that and what you learned there, how do you bring this up? Um, with people who are investors, because you do want to be authentic. You do want to like just lay your cards out on the table. There's no point in not doing that. And, and there's all kinds of advantages in doing it. But how do you bring up the, these kinds of numbers and this kind of 
uh, risk assessment with investors who really do have blinkers on? Because I know, I know some, I'm sure you know some, I like to think I don't have any on, but uh, we've all got blinkers on in one area of our lives or another, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so one of the things when I look at risk, and so, like I said earlier, when I qualified that I didn't realize I was risking in my own world. And so what I didn't do is I, I recognized the risk in my investments and in my business over there, but I didn't realize, and I always thought my personal wealth that I'd created over many years would help me sustain. And most of that was equity as well, which I just didn't ever put in the same box. And so one of the biggest things I didn't do, which I regret was talk to a financial advisor of some kind. Now, this is a, a planner or advisor for investing. Like I have friends who all do those things. And the problem is I'd always invest in real estate and not in the markets just because it's something I live and breathe. And for me, it was most comfortable. Not that I don't have a little bit of money over there, but like not like any of them. So for me, I talk with them, but I never, I really should have had them maybe look at my life, my lens, my life through their lens, meaning that they are by trade designed to be anti-risk. They are designed to put you into safe locations and tell you mid-risk, high risk. And their version of high risk, which I always joke with my one buddy, because when I did invest some money with them, I said to him, I said, the highest thing you've got, whatever your craziest risk you've got will not even touch what my level, like my risk tolerance, because I can lose this money I'm giving you and I don't care. And for him, there was no way I would ever lose that money because the way he did. And I made on three months, it was right after COVID. I gave him 20 grand and made $6,000 in three months. Now in that, I gave it to a professional who understood that. And so what I didn't realize was how the money would translate in my own world. So bringing it all the way back around, if you're going to invest, either A, make sure you're not personally liable and that whoever's lending has some liability because that's why you're paying them the rates you're paying them. You're not taking it all on personally. Now, again, you have to build a business to usually do that. But if you're not in that position, then you should be cautious about how much risk you're putting on your own family. And that was where in my head, I'm like, well, if I can just make this million dollars, which is the target, we bought seven. The objective was to hopefully produce somewhere between about half a million and a million dollars. We didn't know where because the market was moving in a directional trend, you know, trend north. It wasn't going south. So when we did that, and the issue I had was because I took on $4 million worth of capital investment. And I didn't consider the fact that it could fall by $1.2 million in a moment. And so could my wealth position, which was in my house and other assets, I could lose there. So in one moment, I lost the $1.2 million. The next moment, let's say in the other four or $5 million worth of assets over here, that also dropped by 1.5. Well, guess what? I'm leveraged in most of my world because that's how I invest. So it's not that I owned this $5 million outright. No. So you lose $2.5, $2.7 million worth of net equity. That's a really big adjustment. The benefit at least I had was I did build in a fallout rate of 23%, which did insulate me from 1.2 million down to about 300, 350 grand, which is a huge loss. And so one of the things though, I would say is it also was we chose to take on that loss with the intent that we would reinvest. So one of the biggest decisions we had to make was do we hold on and go negative cash flow 50 grand a year or... Do we make that choice? And so unlike the last time, we chatted it through. We talked to smarter people than ourselves and we recognized recapitalizing into this market where we are today and looking at things a lot differently was more important, but we listened to smarter people. So the thing I tell you guys is don't think you know what you think you know. Ask smart people, put it in front of them. They're gonna tell you things you don't wanna hear. That's okay. You don't have to listen to them. I'm gonna tell you this. 
there's no, I gave power to a few of my friends to tell me information. I warned them up front. I'm asking for your, for your truth, whatever you see, whatever is true to you. I need to understand from your perspective. That does not mean I'm going to listen. I need to understand. I'm still going to make the choice. I might now understand the risk, but it doesn't mean, and I, I might've understood the risk even and still done what I did just so we're clear. I'm a high level risk taker. I like to gamble. It is sometimes a good quality and sometimes not so much, but I would, I didn't know the risk I was truly taking. I didn't really know the odds. I thought I did. And when I talk to smart people and learn from their experience, and this is what I do with my investors. I tell them, I don't pretend that I'm, I've never made a mistake. I tell them up front, hey guys, watch out for these things. Make sure you understand when you're investing. If you're a first time home buyer, make sure you understand where you're putting yourself and the risks you're taking on. I think they're good risks. I do. I think anytime you're investing and you're doing it from a position of strength, it's a good idea. But understand every investment has the ability to go the wrong way based on policies, interest rates, and or you know acts of God, right? Like the insurance company, acts of God and things. So you just have to understand the benefits and the disadvantages and be very clear with yourself that you're okay and the people that you protect. So as a father and a husband and the people in my life, making sure I'm willing to put them at risk. And I wasn't. And I will tell you this, I thought I was. But when it went down the way it did, I realized I wasn't and I wasn't okay for about six to eight months. It took a long time to get through that mentally to the point where today I'm like, yeah, no, it's a learning experience, but my God, was it a learning experience in more ways than one, not just financially, but more, more spiritually and, and more emotionally than I had ever done in my life. And I've been through some stuff in my life, but that was a, a very moving experience. Yeah, I can see that because, because I know full well that financial loss or if you take a financial hit, however it is you do, it does affect more than just your finances. It affects more than your business. It affects you as a person. It affects you emotionally. It affects you spiritually. It just does. Because mm -hmm. we don't live in a vacuum. We don't. And everything is connected. So it, it can take a huge toll. And it can, you need the support of people around you. And you need to be kind to yourself. And you need to understand that, yes, you just learned a really expensive lesson, but it was a lesson. It's not the end of the world. And if you learn that lesson, you will grow again and things will get better because that's the way the world works. The best lesson I've ever learned is this. In time, nothing really matters today. The only things that do are the relationships that you'll have later. Meaning, very simply, the money the things, the cars, the houses, the friends to some extent even, right? The people, your family, your friends, the, those that will be with you in 60 years and 40 years and 30 years, when, wherever you are, you're, when you're in the old folks home, whacking each other, throwing crap across the room, being, you know, whatever, that's all that really matters. Your kids will matter more. Like my, my son's going to be 18 in March, man. And there's so many ways I know I've done a really good job with them. There's so many ways as a parent, you're like, man, I could have done so much better. And the only thing I, I know is, and this is the cool thing, he doesn't know that there could have been a better version. Like, and, and I mean this to be like a gracious thing, like reminding yourself that when you feel like you might have failed someone who loves you and cares about you, they don't look at it usually that way. They're just glad that you're in your life. And so when, because when this happened to me, the first thing I was like, like, how do I respond? How am I going to be a good dad? Like going from money not being an issue for a number of years where we had built a life to, hey guys, like one second <laughs> and being honest with them too. I'll tell you this, being honest with your kids, it's a grace because they love you no matter what. Like they, the things matter to them a little bit, but they care more about you 
than you would think. And it's hard because as a parent, you're like, yeah, but I sustain them. I provide for them. You know, they love you. And as long as you invest in them in the long run, it nothing in the short term really matters. This will just be a blip on the screen in 10 years, hopefully in shorter period than that. But it'll be a blip. You know how I know that? Because I've been through some crap in the past. It becomes a blip. And unless you lose relationships, unless you really lose people that really matter to you, that's the only time I think that it's really hard to get past. And that's whether it's through death, whether that's through an argument that shouldn't have happened or didn't need to happen. There's a lot of things in life that are way more important than money. And we need to find a way to make sure we're spending our time on our relationships and no different in business. Like we talked about really early on in business, the most valuable asset is not money. Because if you have the right relationships, you'll find the money. It's always just being in really good relationships with the people that you know and trust and that you can help and they can help you. And it's not, you're not doing it so they will help you. You're doing it because it's just a part of being in good relationships with amazing people. All right. You, you phrased it up really well. So Jordan, we're going to ask you two lightning rounds. I'm uh, sorry, right. light, lightning round questions. All right, here we go. And I will ask the first question. You've talked about how you are have learned a lot over the years. If you had to go back and talk to your 18-year-old self, what advice would you give yourself? That one's easy. Failure is learning. That's simple. Failure is learning. It's not, it, it, you stop thinking. See, for me, most of my life, I spun around climbing the mountain or however you want to look at it. And basically, instead of just falling down and scraping your knee and then getting back up and continuing from where you are and continuing to climb, my mind was set around perfection. So then I'd throw myself right off the cliff, right back to the ground, which would be pretty painful, and then start the climb all over again. And I just learned to have a lot of grace for myself. But if I could go back, it's have a lot of grace, know you're going to fail, know you're going to make mistakes. Take them as learning. Let go of the emotion as soon as you can and move on. So uh, that's great advice. A <clears throat> little trouble with my mute button there. So <laughs> Jordan, what is one fun fact that most folks wouldn't know about you? Hmm. That most people would, I'm a highly competitive human. So fun fact is playing board games and or any sort of you know activity, even at my age these days. I don't really know how to take things and do them for fun. I want to win and I love to win. So again, in investing and in other things in life, I'm highly competitive, but I, again, I try to do it with a better attitude than I might've was a younger man who had to win today. I understand I'm old, <laughs> may not work out as well as I hope, but, but that would probably be, you know, you know, I, I might come across as passive. Maybe I don't, so you'd probably could talk to some people and they might see me as competitive, but I think most people, if you meet me, would look at me and think of me more as passive. I'm really not. And, and if you get involved in a game of Euchre or you get involved in a game of poker, or you get involved in hockey or some other sport. Yeah. You know, I try my best to remind myself we all got to work tomorrow, but I want to win more. And so if it means I got to injure myself, oh, well. Well, well, on that <laughs> note, Jordan, we're going to say thank you so very much. It's a great conversation. And I think we'll have you back in maybe a year or so and see what's going on in Windsor again. Awesome. Thanks so much, Laurel. It was great to meet you and Catherine, you as well. Alrighty. Well, Catherine, I could feel his pain <laughs> when he was talking about the project that didn't go so well over the last little while. But also at the same time, he was smiling. And, and as Jordan said, hey, I didn't lose nearly as much as I thought I would lose. And I've, I've learned my lessons and life goes on. And 
It's just a blip over the course of, of a lifetime. So he's happy, he's successful, he's healthy, and he's really optimistic about what's going on in Windsor, isn't he? Absolutely is. He brings a fresh perspective to the real estate industry and real estate investing. And he's kind of blending a traditional knowledge with, well, he's just so authentic. Like it's just it, and it, it, an authentic approach to personal development. And he just called his spade. It was just, it was quite an enlightening and inspirational two-part series. All right, everyone. So if you need lots of information or just even a few tidbits, go on over to our website at www.therightclub.com and you'll find lots of stuff there for you. Articles, videos, podcasts. Go figure, go over there, poke around and, and see what you can find. So until next time, customize your life and have a great week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.